Hello, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Game of Thrones podcast after show. I am your host, Carmine of Red Team Review, and I'm joined here once again by Preston Jacobs. Uh, for those of you who are new here, the after show is where we take your questions and comments from the previous episode <clears throat> and discuss them here. As always, we're available on SoundCloud and iTunes, so consider checking us out on those platforms, and please do leave us a review on iTunes, it'll help out a lot. I also want to let you guys know that the Game of Thrones podcast has an official channel now, Preston, please leave it in the description below, where all of our past episodes Woo-hoo. will be stored <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> and it, an entire channel dedicated to it. We'll leave a link in the description and all that, and it'll have episodes up until the ending of our Season 7 review. And before I forget, due to the new season of Westworld, the Game of Thrones podcast will be taking a very, very, very short break and will likely return in June or July at the latest. But in the meantime, we'll be doing a little Westworld podcast for the new season. And don't worry, for those of you who do enjoy our Thrones discussion, we'll still be doing those, but through 15 to 30 minute short videos. These smaller ones will still be uploaded on our channels and all the usual places, and even the Game of Thrones podcast official YouTube page. So be sure to subscribe to that, and please keep your questions and comments coming down below. We might even dedicate an entire video to it. All right, so Preston... (laughs) I'll just so what are, we, what are we talking about today? Oh, we're gonna be talking about a lot of things. But you know what? We were just discussing this before we started recording. Every time, like we get on Skype to talk, every time we we come on Skype to talk for like five minutes, it ends up being a five-hour discussion. Like I do the same thing with with like other YouTubers. Like we'll get on, and the plan is to talk for five minutes, and we end up talking for like an hour, and it's fucking gold. It's like it's comedy, it's radio <laughs> gold, and we don't fucking record it. Yeah, yeah. Oh well. You know, we should just we should just have you know if we had like a re- like a real world cast like following us around <laughs> like at all times, and then they 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 take the whole week and they they get the best half hour. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's really. <laughs> you know, no, but well, no. In case the audience doesn't know what I'm talking about, like what me and Preston like to do is before a day before we record, we like to you know convene, and I can tell him like what we're gonna discuss, and you know what are the best comments and questions and so on. What's the topic for the day, and then we just go off on this rant about like random things that I find really interesting. Uh, but I'm also kind of glad we don't because I feel like if we did, people would unsubscribe from you. You're a fucking insane man off off microphone. Like you're more you're more composed. When we're recording, but we're not com- recording. Like you're fucking, you're like a different person. It's re- it's insane. Well, I mean, in truth, in truth, I'm 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 pretty vulgar. Um, uh, in my in my personal life, like I tr- I do try to, but it it it's not worth getting getting vul- be, you know being another vulgar person in in the entertainment world. You know, like that's a dime a dozen. Like what's you know. It's more interesting in, in, in day-to-day life. I, you know, I'm kind of risque, which you don't see that much. But, like, to be another, you know, shocker podcaster, that's, that's, there's, there's nothing to that. Mm-hmm. So, But it's funny because, like, off, when, when the recording's not on, Carmine is, like, shocked. He's just like, oh, my God, I can't <laughs> believe you said that. And then, but when people respond to me, like, when people, like, you know, I get all sorts of comments and, and, you know, believe it or not, Carmine, like some trash you and they're like, he's so vulgar. Like he's such an asshole. And I'm just like, ah, if they only knew, if they only knew. <laughs> they'll never know the fools. All right, but let's get to, to it. Let's start with this one guy, uh, no page productions. He goes, I honestly don't know how someone could think the Silmarillion is boring. A bit hard to read. Sure. No. Boring, I don't see it, especially coming from Preston, who has probably read the Brienne chapter a million times. 
Now, Brienne, Brienne gets more interesting the more... Like, the first time I read Brienne, yeah, it was... I, I didn't get it. I was bored with it. I was like, why are... Like, she's on a quest for, for Sansa, and we know Sansa isn't there. And um, she sometimes thinks that she's going to run into Arya, but we know that Arya isn't there. So, you know, I get it. Like, I remember that first read-through and being like, man, this... This is really pointless. Like, like Brienne is Brienne. Yeah, but, and and it takes a while to kind of like take it as as its own story mm-hmm. and realize that like okay, this this is not connecting to everything else. Like, this has to do with Brienne, and and we have to get into the Brienne character and understand like what it means for her. But it's not what people were. It's not what people were wanting. You know, you finish A Storm of Swords, which is this very exciting book. And a lot happens at the end. Like, you, you know, you've got your, you've got your battle, uh, battle at the wall. And then you've got Tyrion's trial. And you have, you know, the fight with, with, between Oberyn and the mountain. And you're like, holy crap. Like, so much is happening. What, I, I want to know what happens next. And then, you know, you get, you get Brienne. <laughs> well, like, at, at first read-through, right, I couldn't stand Brienne's chapters, not because I hate her or her character like some other people, because, like, she's searching for those girls in all the wrong places, and it's really frustrating. And I'm, I'm just, yeah. like, I'm really amazed at how many people don't like the Brienne chapters. And even now, I'm kind of indifferent to them. They're not my favorite, but I get why they're there. But the main reason people don't like her one bit, in the books at least, her chapters, it's mainly due to what she said about going from the insanity that is Storms to the slow grind of Feast. She, she accomplishes nothing, and it ends with her about to be killed by Stoneheart. If you're not reading between the lines, it can be boring. Not only that, but uh, you started reading Game of Thrones after the show came out. So you had the luxury of going yeah. from book to book to book to book. People who read Storm, and I think, I think when it came out in 2000, um, had to wait five mm. years for Feast for Crows to come out. And then when they get to Feast for Crows, it's like, oh, are you fucking kidding me? I waited five <clears throat> years for this bullshit. I, I was joking around on, on Reddit the other day, and <laughs> I got joking with somebody where um, uh, somebody was like, wouldn't it be fucking incredible if George R. R. Martin released The Winds of Winter Winds of Winter, and he just fucking trolled us? And it was like, it was like chapter one, The Feathered Archer, and it's like a random summer islander. <laughs> and then the next, and then the next chapter is Zaro. And then the next chapter is like some random girl from Nath. And then <laughs> like, and then there's like, then there's like a Willis chapter. And you're like, what? Like, no. And it's an entire book of all new characters in completely new locations, and it doesn't advance any of the plot that we know. <laughs> a feast for crows, part two, apparently. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it would be it would be so funny. Like after all these years of waiting, and it's just like it's like a, a book filled with eight Zaro chapters. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what we needed. Uh, actually, I wouldn't mind that. I, I would like if it was a, like a spin-off book. I wouldn't mind that because Star Wars did that with their anthology series. You know, like you would go in, you would go into the uh, the mind of like the random Star Wars background character that's there in the movies. You can see him and what he's thinking about. You yeah. know, like I wouldn't mind that as a spin-off book. Oh, I mean, I would love it actually um, if I knew a real book was coming the next year. Right. But the problem is, is that. Like, you know that, like, once a book comes out, it's freaking eight years until the next mm-hmm. one. 
um, at that point, you're like, come on, no, no. And then we'd, we, I think, you know, we'd all, we'd all just kill ourselves. But <laughs> it would be, it would be really incredible if that were the pattern. Mm-hmm. Like the next book came out and it was all these new characters and all these new lo- inter- interesting locations. It's just that we know that we know that there would be a price for that, that it would cost us, you know. <sighs> okay, so uh, Preston, next question mm. here is from a guy named uh, Brian Akim. I think I said his name right. Would you guys love it if Game of Thrones did a sequel series taking place 50 years after Season 8 with new Stark, Lannisters, and Baratheons, and etc.? So he's asking us, mm. uh, I'm assuming about the television show and not the books. It's always... Yeah. Um, yeah. So, would we like it if they did like a uh, like a follow up on what's happening with Westeros after the last final episode of the season of season eight? And uh, go ahead. Well, what 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 would you say? What do you think? I would like a short one off, maybe like thirty forty five minutes, basically saying like what's happened, uh, how are you know the descendants of our main characters doing. What's going on with uh, all the major houses? Are there any new houses that have sprung up? Because I'm sure by now the fucking... I'm sure in 50 years the Tullys will not be a thing anymore. I feel like they, they're they the ones who will probably be extinct. Either them or maybe House Baratheon might be gone because they're pretty much gone already. The only person left is Gendry and we don't even know if he survived the wall attack. Um, or even will survive the war. Chances are he probably won't considering he's one of those one-off characters that's been gone for half the series. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah. Uh, the Greyjoys, I feel like they're also done, in a sense. Unless Euron killed off Yara, which I don't think he will. But if he does, like, Theon's all that's left. And I feel like a lot of the houses will just fall. The, Ty- the Tyrells are also done as well, right? I mean, this this is... When I, when I think about, like, like sequel going past the... the, uh, the Ice, ice and fire story like i think it would be really sad if the story went went further because mm-hmm. i mean isn't isn't the whole point of the series like all of this war happened to prove that this way of ruling and this way of existing is horrible right and so you know if they had the plot 50 years in the future and the same shit was going on like <laughs> the same scheming and the same houses and the same backstabbing and there's still feudalism like i'd just be like oh no like all of that was for nothing like like none of it mattered because everyone's still fucking fighting i mean i think the point of the story is this has to stop like revolution needs to happen there needs to be a change right like if you went went fifty years in the future and it was still going, like are they still have a, they still have monarchy and 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 divine right, I would it would just be sad. You'd be like, oh no, they're still doing it. I mean, I this is funny because it's like it's like I've kind of come around a little bit on the on the last Jedi, only in a sense. How dare that, you? I know, I know, but like the last <laughs> Jedi was the first the first one to be like the first movie to be like. Yeah, this this uh this warring, this nonstop warring between like whatever a rebellion and the empire, like it's pointless. It just can't go on forever. <laughs> like we've gotta we've gotta change the narrative. We've gotta you know something has to change. Um, and so you know I've come around a little bit on that. Like okay, I understand in that sense. But yeah, Game of Thrones is is about that too. Like 
you can't just keep having this fight for the Iron Throne. Like, God, that would be... If, if they were still doing it in 50 years, it would just be the saddest... The saddest ending. The saddest coda to it all. Like, you might come around to it later. Come on. Like, everybody wants to know what's happening 50 years later. It, it's the same thing with Lord of the Rings. People still want to know what's going on with uh, Middle-earth uh, years after Sauron was banished into the void. Like Everybody wants to know what's been going on. And Tolkien did start on it. Uh, apparently, like yeah. uh, uh, cults of like dark magic users sprung up or some shit like that. And Aragorn's sons were looking into it or something like that. I mean, Lord of the Rings has, like, this massive appendix, right? Which is kind of why, like, the Lord of the Rings movies had had 14 endings. Because <laughs> they, wa- they wanted to cram a bunch of the appendix in, appendices in, you know? Mm. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess... Oof. Okay, how about Making this? Making a sequel would, to would things you like, just wouldn't work for me. Would you like it if they did a 50 years later and focused on people who aren't high up in royalty would you like would you like a series focused on uh 50 years later focused on a random knight kind of like the duncan egg story but duncan egg in the future duncan egg with not actual targaryen kids but like duncan egg and sir random guy uh and he's in this new system that maybe danny or whoever else is alive at the end of season eight has created and he's doing his own adventure basically going through you know the ruins of the old war or whatever would you like that at least no. Uh, no. And this, this, this is—I mean, it's odd. Like, I could see prequels and and parallel stories working, mm-hmm. but the—and I'm connecting it too much, too much to the book series and George R. R. Martin's writing. But like, the way he ends stories are in this are in a sad, you know, bittersweet, uh, sentimental way, and so you could. You can't have a sequel to the story because it kind of like ruins the feeling that he has at the end of his stories, um, which which are often ambiguous. He loves ambiguous endings. Um, so it's uh, if you had a sequel, then there, there yeah there could be no ambiguity to what's going on. Like if you were like like let's say let's say we're gonna end um, uh, Ice and Fire right, and you know the ending of Ice and Fire. I'm just gonna like pick a random one that I kind of like, I, I've come up with like 10 different ways to end ice and fire. But one of them I have is like, okay, all the battles are like all the, all the armies are like collecting around Heron hall and Sansa like gets into a boat, like a rowboat. And like, there's just, you know, and it's this guy, this, this rowboat kind of appears uh, at the, sh- at the shore of the God's eye. And she like, she gets taken across, and she doesn't really say much to the to the boat guy. But eventually, you kind of figure out that the guy rowing the boat is Howland Reed, but he doesn't say very much. And then she gets off, you know, on the on the island, and she ends up joining the Werewood Net or something. And then you kind of like have that kind of ending, and you you don't you know, and there, there's an there's an ambiguity to it. Like, oh, could she perhaps like change the Werewood Net? Could she stop? Like the wars, is there gonna be peace? You know, but there would be some ambiguity to the ending, and you'd be like, "Oh, well, I don't know what happens when when Sansa joins the Werewood Nets, like there on the island, you know, like or say she's on that island and she finds a spaceship with a big theta, and, and it turns <laughs> out this like this is a big post-apocalyptic world, 
like if you went 50 years in the future, you'd then like ruin like that ending, you know, of of her of, of well, I don't, I'm not sure what happened when she did this or, oh, gosh, you had this you had this reveal that that was that was Earth all along. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, um, I don't like it would it would shatter that you, you can't have like if you have a really good ending, you can't have a sequel, which is which is a sad thing. Well, we're going to talk about uh, really good endings later on in this podcast okay. episode. But I will say this. You might feel different about it later when Disney buys out George R. R. Martin. So we'll have to see. Uh, oh, yeah. And then, <laughs> then I'll be given a movie to direct. Because uh, <laughs> everybody gets a movie. When Disney... That's, that's the future, is that Disney will own everything and we'll all be directing our own movies. <laughs> Can't wait to see emergency awesome movies. Um, anyways, so uh, <laughs> Eddie Barnes asks, uh, could you ask Preston about merchandise? I would buy that shit so fast. Something uniquely Ice and Fire, maybe, not Game of Thrones. Or something silly with Chad, Brandon, and Sweet Robin. Uh, so basically, Eddie Barnes wants to know if you are going to plan on selling any merchandise in the near future. I mean, I'd, I'd have to look into it. Um, I know some people have like a t-shirt um sites where you actually have to you don't have to put very much effort into it at all you just kind of design it and you set it up and they'll even run the shop for you and so i i've thought about that stuff but the the big barrier was like copyright you know like Mm -hmm. i don't want to put on something that's actually hbo property and then try to sell it because i don't want to get in trouble for that i've so i was thinking about ideas like 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 you know copyright like you know, where where they couldn't get you, and I was thinking of one that just has like a, like a lemon tree in the rain, <laughs> and then I put lemon gate at the bottom. Like that was my, that was my that was my idea, and I was like, yeah, that has no reference to the book. I'm sure someone's gonna steal it now, but like a lemon tree. Don't in worry, the rain I'll, I'll, I'll bleep it. I'll bleep it out. No, <laughs> it's fine. I'm probably <laughs> never gonna do it, but like like. Like hail, like I don't know if you could see hail, but like cold rain and hail on a, on a lemon tree and lemon gate. Um, well, I'll, I'll say you know, this: people like people have merchandise stores, but nobody ever like sells it because they, nobody ever like promotes it like seriously. Yeah. Like I have a merchandise store and I never promote it. I have really? it there just to have, yeah, just to have it. Like it, it's like it's like my Snapchat or my fucking Tumblr. It's just there, just to be there. And uh, I always tell you, you got to get on that Tumblr and that Instagram. And I tell you that for so you can put it there just to put it there. Like I told you eons ago to make a fucking uh, Preston Jacobs Twitter. And, yeah, of course, yeah. some asshole took it. And you had to settle for uh, Preston Jacobs <laughs> 5 million. Sweet Robin 9,000. There right? we go. I'm sorry. I get it wrong every time. <laughs> but there, uh, there, there, There's more than one Preston Jacobs in the world. There's, of course. There's, there's actually a couple couple dozen of us. But but like uh, like like for example like Angry Joe Angry Joe has a million subs he does video game reviews Angry Joe sells fucking Angry Joe thongs like nobody he doesn't expect anybody to buy an Angry Joe thong but it's just there the only person that really sells merchandise is probably PewDiePie with fifty million subs of his and uh, Logan Paul they sell I that doesn't, merchandise uh, but um doesn't uh, DeFranco he promotes his his, his merch store a lot but but defranco's merch store is not even defranco oriented like hell even i want to buy some of those merchandise because like it's so funny like 
Like, what's this? What's this? What's the t-shirt he sells? Sports, you know? For the person who wants to be a part of the team but doesn't know which team to be a part of, just put sports on a t-shirt. That that that's kind of funny. Yeah, like yeah. I would buy that. But uh, like if you're gonna sell like a Preston Jacobs mug, I don't know. Like would, would anybody buy that? Well, <laughs> just just put Preston thing. Jacobs on a mug, on a coffee mug. I'll I'll talk to you later, and I want to set up. I'll set up the lemon the lemon gate shirt i mean i got a couple then, of artists i mean i could i could go to one of them they could probably do it for me <laughs> yeah that'd be nice that'd be nice and then uh you know <laughs> yo you know what's I, funny I, I, you know what's funny someone actually came to me and, and said that they had their own preston jacobs merchandise that you you were so slow on this someone actually made a preston jacobs oh, t-shirt man. i'm not even <laughs> i'm not even kidding with with Chad like how like how summer child no how no no it? it's it's like <laughs> don't say all these ideas if I take them but someone no, no, all these are getting taken all of they're them. gonna be summer house summer child like like uh, none so awesome bro which ah. is that which is there which is the uh, the house the house motto Lemongate is totally gonna get stolen like we need to get on the Lemongate t-shirts because <laughs> there I could because you could imagine showing up to a con. Like a Game of Thrones con with that fucking T-shirt on. Oh, they would the kick that person man. out. They would kick that oh person my God. out. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> kick him out. No, they people would be like, "That's an awesome T-shirt, Lemon Gate." And I wouldn't. I, we wouldn't be violating any fucking copyrights. Any any Preston Jacob oriented T-shirt automatically, they would know where that's from and just kick that person out immediately. <laughs> Preston Jacobs is banned from all the cons. Get it? Get this motherfucker out. No, but um. That's what they do with Tyrion. Tyrion, I, I, I firmly believe that Tyrion, the only reason he's on the show anymore, because, I mean, let's be honest, he's kind of, nah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The only reason he's on the, on the show now is for t-shirt design quotes. That's it. That's right. the only reason for, he's for on. The, uh, for the, the fucking, like, I drink and I know things t-shirts, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, but you know, okay. Well, we'll we'll get the merch store going, and we'll we'll get the lemon. We'll, get, we'll do the test of the lemon gate, and, and you could you could probably you know. No, I just I just because the the person I go to every time I ask them to do something, they always go, "Are you fucking serious? How am I supposed to do this?" I can't wait to tell them let this lemon gate idea. They're gonna be just pissed. lemon tree in the rain, man. Lemon tree in the rain. <laughs> it's a good one. Uh, you do Game of Thrones. Where's my dragons? I can't draw dragons. Nah, I mean, buddy, you gotta draw a lemon tree with rain on it. I mean, if I wanted a really the pro, like like okay, if I wanted like a really cool T-shirt, it would be like a picture of Stannis, right? And then behind him, he's got his four lieutenants. He's got um uh uh <laughs> Justin Massey, fucking you know Godfrey Faring. Uh, uh, Clayton Suggs and um, Richard Horp. Yeah, got it. And it would be like him looking like a badass and then those four behind him looking like badasses and like the five of them like all lined up. And, but, you, you, that would be like mass, you, you'd be, that would be a copyright violation. You couldn't, you couldn't just have a picture of fucking Stannis on your t-shirt. Preston, no. let's be honest. Only, only five people watching this right now know who any of those motherfuckers are. Every- oh my god, it's the fucking badass posse, dude. The fucking badass posse. Uh, 
I could see that. None so awesome. Like maybe like maybe like a uh, 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 Chad Summerchild T-shirt. I could see that going down. I mean, you could you could get away with Chad's. I could get away with Chad Summerchild, mm-hmm. like with the little with with his. You know, that would work. But but um, <laughs> yeah, it would be really random. <laughs> like people would be. No one would know what the fuck. People like. I'm talking like everybody be like, "What's your shirt?" And people be like, "Ah, never mind." <laughs> Okay, so next question is from Arthur Kushikov, I think I said that right. There's a new Targaryen story in the Book of Swords anthology mm. by Martin M. Bozwa. I think I said that right. Any plans on reviewing that? I normally don't do a lot of the short story uh, uh, stuff, but uh, Preston, I know you like taking a lot of uh, the stuff that's already been out, like the prepping for winter and going into it. Do you Are you going to do any of these uh, short stories any time in the near future? Yeah, no, I, I was thinking about it, um, and this was back when just the, uh, so for 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 those who don't know, um, a, a short story called Sons of the Dragon uh, came out recently, I guess, blah, uh, I guess it wasn't so recently, but a few months ago, mm-hmm. um, and it, it deals with uh, the reign of, you know, uh, Aenys I and Maegor the Cruel, and it, it's... Um, these are part of the the histories that uh, that George R. R. Martin has been writing. So he's been writing this this massive Targaryen history called Fire and Blood. Yeah, and isn't this supposed to be like a huge like tome after yes. the whole book? All the books are done. Well, that was his plan. So his original plan was Fire and Blood, this big tome that he would write after he finished Ice and Fire. Um, but then, like for when when a world of when the world of Ice and Fire came out. Um, essentially, you know, uh, Elio Garcia said, okay, well, can, can, can you provide us like a, a rough outline of what's going on with the Targaryen history? And George R. R. Martin's like, oh, sure. And he sat down and he just ended up procrastinating Ice and Fire and ended up writing pages and pages and pages of stuff. Um, and then they he kind of provided this outline to Elio Garcia and they, and they summarized it for, for, uh, the world of ice and fire, um, and so he kind of like George R. R. Martin kind of had this rough draft of a lot of the Targaryen history. It's spotty, actually. The the outline that he gave to Elio Garcia has has gaps, and you can if you read the world of ice and fire, like those gaps are apparent because certain kings have like two pages, and then another king has like fifteen. You know, so George R. R. Martin wrote this kind of you know very spotty like history all the way through. Um, and so various pieces that he wrote more for, um, uh, one, be, you know, like he wrote the rogue prince and he wrote the princess and the queen, which focus on kind of the history just before and during the dance of the dragons. And so that he had flushed out more. And so he published those, he published actually an abridged version of those. So fire and blood is supposed to have like the longer version. And then he also had like done the Aenys, Magor the, the Magor the Cruel stuff as well. And so kind of in a, in a procrastination sense, he released Sons of the Dragon. And now in a more procrastination sense, and when I say procrastination, I mean like he thinks that it's better that he's releasing something to fans than making them wait, you know, than make them wait all these years with nothing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's like a bone he's throwing people. Like, like a sample chapter or whatever. Like... He feels he does feel a little bad that he's making people wait this long. So 
he was going to release Fire and Blood after Ice and after all of Ice and Fire was published, but now he's going to re- uh, release the first half um, this year, actually, probably in like October, November. That's usually when he releases it, right? Yeah, and so and the reason he's doing it is because Sons of the Dragon. Well, <clears throat> he wrote like the thing, this thing on Aegon's conquest for for uh, the world of Ice and Fire, and then he's got Sons of the Dragon finished. And he's got the rogue prince, and he's got the princess and the queen. So a lot of it was already complete, you know. So he didn't have to do that much to finish the first half. And so that's what he did. He kind of finished the first half, and that's going to be released this year. Um, And so, yeah, now, these histories are actually really dense and interesting because they're done through... um, unreliable narrators so it's it's like written by a maester and it's clear it's like a history from a maester who clearly has an agenda but then he's quoting sources and these sources each have agendas so reading it closely is actually like line by line is is actually um kind of necessary to actually like work out what's actually going on Mm -hmm. because it's it's written it's essentially written as a lie. It's written as a historical lie by <clears throat> unreliable maesters because maesters had <clears throat> a, an agenda. Like, right, they, 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 you know, the big theory is that they, tr- they were trying to get rid of the Targaryens and the dragons. And so how they portray various uh, kings is, is, going to, is going to vary. You know, they're going to keep their secret and, and write, certain, write certain things that aren't true. That's an interesting um, way of looking at it, but do you? But don't go into any more detail because you want to make a video on this in the future, right? Right. And no, I mean, and that's the thing is the details, and this is something that kind of only a few few people are capable of doing because oh, <laughs> like, oh, oh. to because no, it takes it's it's so much time in history to know like what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So when George R. R. Martin writes these, he's making like he'll take something and he'll he's. He'll write a history, and the history parallels something that's going on in the Ice and Fire universe. But then at the same time, a lot of the information is false because there's a maester perspective and then his sources' perspectives. So, for instance, in, in the Rogue Prince, like one of one of the sources is is their fool mushroom, and another source is a Septon, and another source is is a maester. And you've got to figure out these people's agendas and and what what's probably really going on um you know in these situations so are you saying you're the only person who can really analyze it no i'm not i'm not the only person (laughs) but i'm saying there's very few and it really requires the thing about these stories is from from a reading for enjoyment uh perspective they're they're not great like (laughs) what do you mean you wouldn't sit down well they're they're boring dry histories they're, and they're written like boring, dry histories. Mm-hmm. There's it, it's, no one would no one would read them and go, oh yeah, no, it's really really poetic. What a really great story that was put together. They're 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 not great, like enjoyable literature. Um, you know, it like like Ice and Fire is like Duncan Egg are you know, Duncan Egg is. Um, they're they're dry histories, and so they really do take like a line-by-line analysis, like I've been doing with Prepping for Winter. But it's just they're so long and it would be so cumbersome. Um, I would like to do it eventually. Uh, 
But by the time I get around to it, by the time I finish prepping for winter, Fire and Blood will be out. And then maybe we can think about like going through Fire and Blood um, line by line. But it might be that might be really ambitious. I mean, it's taken me it's taken me a couple of years to get through prepping for winter. So we'll see. We'll see. I'd like to. I mean, I was thinking about doing it with the Rogue Prince at least because the Rogue Prince was was shorter. Mm-hmm. But now he's going to come out with an unabridged like Rogue Prince essentially in Fire and Blood Part 1, so um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I'd like to, but we'll see. Uh, next question is from Caroline Edlun. Uh, she goes, I have a question for Boris about one of his OG theories videos uh, regarding the Riverlands that House Derry uh, mm. uh, are Aegon supporters and Len Lemoncloak and co. will help them. But the old woman who predicts Len's past is associated with the, with Bloodraven? Bloodraven doesn't want Aegon, right? Could be, be done. <laughs> She's Norwegian. Um, <laughs> did you understand that? Yeah, yeah. So <clears throat> the, the, the original theory is that, um, that I, I, I get into in the Riverlands uh, of the Dragon um, series. And keep in mind, this is years ago. And I've, um, you know, perhaps some of my opinions about various things have changed. Um, but the, the basic fundamental premise is that the Brotherhood Without Banners are Aegon supporters. Mm. Um, How do you figure that? Because <clears throat> I, I haven't seen this video. And for those of us who haven't, uh, go into it really quickly. We're, what's your evidence on that one? Um, well, there's, there's a couple things. One, uh, there's, there's a lot of language that they use um, uh, that parallels the, the Golden Company. Uh, so, for instance, when they knight Gendry, the, the, what they, they, don't, they don't do a Knight of the Seven kind of uh, phrase because they, they, don't, they don't worship the Seven. And so these are knights. These are the only knights that are not you know, followers of the faith of, of the faith of the seven. And so they have Gendry say something else and they say, do you promise to follow your king and your commanders? And it's like, commanders, like what, what, you know? And it's like, well, the, the, the golden company has commanders, you know, um, and little things like that. Uh, also like during in the, in the, um, Ariana sample chapters, when she's coming across the the Golden Company in in those sample chapters, there's a lot of parallels to um, what's going on with the Brotherhood Without Banners, like how these activities go. Um, for instance, there's a there's a scene with an old woman accusing the Golden Company of of foraging and stealing and giving people promissory notes, which is what the Brotherhood Without Banners did. So, so there's this scene. I, I think with the Brotherhood Without Banners, it's it's Lady Smallwood, and in the in the Ariana sample chapters, it's uh, oh God, they have an owl as their as their uh, sigil. Um, uh, but um, nonetheless, you know, she's she's also criticizing them, like saying, "Oh, you're just giving promissory notes and raping women," and and the people are like, "Oh, I'm not raping women. These women are." Are giving themselves to me willingly, and Lady Smallwood also like accuses um, Tom O'Sevens of taking advantage of women, and these parallel the, the parallels are very clear. Now, now George R. R. Martin makes a lot of parallels, so a parallel doesn't necessarily mean a connection, but but it's um, you're meant to at least think about the Brotherhood Without Banners when you're thinking about the Golden Company. Um, the other big thing is the connection to the in at the crossroads. So the end of the crossroads um, 
if you go back to the Dunkin' Egg stories, uh, in the crossroads is owned by House Heddle. And House Heddle is a huge Blackfire supporter uh, in the Mystery Night, Second Blackfire uh, Rebellion. And when Brienne visits the Inn at the Crossroads, which the Brotherhood Without Banners has now taken over, um, they're now in cahoots with House Heddle. Um, there's, a, there's a long discussion about, oh, how the, 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 the Trident used to pass by here and you could take a ferry to White Walls or Lord Haraway's town. Well, lo, the Lord Haraway's town in White Walls was owned by Lord Butterwell. Butterwell is the Blackfire supporter of the entire plot of, of the Mystery Knight and the Second Blackfire Rebellion. They're, they're essentially talking about how the end at the crossroads was a, was a center for, for um, the, the, the Blackfires. That the entire, that, that crossing, the end at the crossroads and that ferry was essential for bringing troops across. So if you wanted to invade King's Landing and you were heading from the north, that story is about marrying House Frey to House Butterwell, that you could march the Freys down, ferry them across, and then invade King's Landing. So, you know, the, the Brotherhood Without Banners controlling the end of the crossroads, and they actually also perhaps have connections with House Root, which now controls Lord Haraway's town. This connection across the, 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 the trident and uh, the ability to invade and, and, and march on King's Landing is, is kind of all there. Um, so there's, there's, there's a whole bunch so of So basically what you're saying things. is the Brotherhood Without Banners is almost like a, a secret auxiliary force, maybe a branch of the Golden Company stationed in the Riverlands on purpose to sow <clears throat> distrust. That's what and, I believe. And, you know, like uh, try to slow down certain, certain yeah. houses loyal to the crown at the moment so when they make their invasion, the Brotherhood can, you know, use their connections to make the invasion a little easier. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, there's, there's a whole bunch of other ones. They go around saying they're king's men, except Robert's dead. And you're like, well, and yet they hate the Lannisters and the Starks. And you're like, well, if the Brotherhood Without Banners hates the Lannisters and the Starks and Robert's dead, when they say they're king's men, who are they king's men to? Right. You know, and, and, and so, yeah, you're like, well, what does this mean? Now, some people think, well, they're Red God followers. Like, shouldn't they, shouldn't they be king's men to Stannis? And it's like, well, that's, you know, it's an interesting, it's an interesting point. But I, I kind of think that it's their, their Red God followers and following Aegon. Keep in mind that Illyrio follows the Red God. Right. And, and Halden Halfmaster says, oh, you know, we could really, we could really use these, um, these Red God followers, you know. He suggests that when, when, when Tyrion and he go down the, uh, down the river. That's an interesting look at down it. Down the Rhine. Yeah, so that, I mean, um, but doesn't but doesn't the well, Brotherhood have members of uh, House Stark, House Stark's army, and House Lannister's army in them? Uh, they have a cup. They have Harwin. That's the only Northerner I know. Um, they're mostly Riverlanders, like Riverlander small folk. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, there, there's some, there's some. Can I? I mean, some people look at them and, and and say, well, they're hiding out in the swamps. That must mean they're they're good with Howland Reed. Some people, you know, make theories about that. Um, there's a lot of things that are confusing about them. They, they, they do a lot of things that cross various uh, religions and, and alliances that, that get people uh, perplexed. I mean, they give people the kiss of life, which is, a, which is an ironborn thing. 
and they knight people, which is a faith of the seventh thing. But then they they hang out with the that that little midget ghost, uh, the ghost of High Heart, who seems to be strong with the children of the forest, and um, and yet they you know they they follow R'hllor. So they, it gets it gets pretty confusing everything that they do. Mm-hmm. So um, you know, so th- there's nothing. I'm I'm definitely not. Con, like super confident, but but I think there's a lot of things that point to the fact that they could they could just you know head over to Aegon's side, and Aegon would have a very quick conquest of uh, of the Seven Kingdoms because he pretty much has the Stormlands right now, and then they talk about friends in the Reach. There's this line about well you know maybe a lot of these these people in the Reach are actually Aegon supporters, and then there's the the Riverlands and. Keep in mind, most of the Blackfires were were in, and I'm assuming Aegon is a Blackfire. That's that's another whole issue. But assuming Aegon is a Blackfire, you know, most of the Blackfires were in the Riverlands and the Reach. So that would that would have that was that would have them cross over to him, you know, the quickest. So Carmine, I I, I have this question that that um, I wanted to ask you um, uh, about about Ice and fire and werewolves and vampires. <laughs> now I know this sounds this sounds this sounds odd, but um, I was recently rereading um, a *Fever Dream* by George R. R. Martin, which is a book about uh, vampires or werewolves. Um, in fact, in that book, they kind of make vampires and werewolves the same thing, which is interesting. Well, yeah, that's what. Fever, fever, I don't want to spoil the book, but Fever Dream, it, yeah, they, they, Fever Dream is is about is mostly about vampires, but in the book, they talk about the vampire legends, and they'll they say that oh the some people call us werewolves and some people call us vampires. We're it's called the same thing. Um, some you know shape changers, you know skin changers. They use the term skin changer and all of this. Um, they and they talk about the bat and the wolf and all of this. And the reason Bat and Wolf stuck out for me is the wolf is Winterfell and the bat is Harrenhal and you have like the lineage of all of the Stark children um, coming from Harrenhal and, and Winterfell. And, you know, it seems very intentional now, now that I've read that, that, that George R. R. Martin, you know, has made like Winterfell this werewolf capital and Harrenhal this vampire capital. But... In all of my reading of, of of Ice and Fire, I never really got that like feel or impression of like vampires and werewolves. Um, did you ever get this? Uh, other than when some of the characters refer to Rob Stark as a as someone who uh, skin changes into a werewolf and eats his mm. enemies, not really. I mean, it wasn't until someone brought up the whole Roose Bolton being a secret vampire or something like that that. It, that it really started to, like, you start to question it. Well, he could be a vampire, or he just could be, like, a creep weirdo. Um, but no, I never really got the the whole he- the thing. Which is weird, because, yeah, Game of Thrones, A Song of Ice and Fire, they go into the whole fantasy realm, but what they don't do is the typical fantasy stuff of vampire and werewolves. But instead, they do undead, dragons, and um, uh, uh, skin changers. So, no, not really. Yeah. I mean, it is really odd that I missed it, cause, cause now, now that I look back on it, it seems like very obvious. Like 
you hear about Harrenhal and you've got Danelle Lawston bathing in pools of blood, uh, giant vampire bats um, like going out from the from the towers. You know, she's clearly supposed to be some sort of it's supposed to be some sort of vampire legend. And then like, yeah, Rob Stark, like changing into a wolf and, and all of these legends of wolves like that's supposed to be like you know, the werewolf. And I guess Bolton, the Boltons would be werewolf hunters, <laughs> you know, like, um, but yeah, it never, it never, uh, it never occurred to me. And then it's like, oh, well, the Stark children have vampire and werewolf lineage. Like, cause you know, they're, they're, they're the mother's side of their family, cat's side of the family comes from Hall, and, you know, Ned's side of the family comes from, from Winterfell. And so they're getting they're getting the lineage of both the werewolves and the and the vampires together. Um, but yeah, I guess I mean looking back is it's it's so obvious, but at the same time I never got any of that feeling. Like even when I read the stuff about bats and bathing in blood, like I like the vampire thing just never popped out for me. Well, I'm assuming the whole bathing in blood thing came from like a historical account of like a noble Hungarian woman who would uh uh, take young virgin women and kill them to fill up her bathtub of their blood so she could uh, retain her youth. This actually happened, I think, and I and her name is like supposed to be Elizabeth Elizabeth Battery or something like that. I think I said that correctly. I'm assuming that's where George got that from. But uh, doesn't Theon at one point comment on how Roose Bolton doesn't seem to age? I mean, it's true. I mean, it's funny that people get it about Roose Bolton, like with the leeches and and that. They get that being, but is it too much of a stretch though? If Roose Bolton did turn out to be some kind of bloodsucker, not not with like hum, like inhumane powers where he could run at super fast speeds or just you know, because um, if they're gonna do vampires, I'd be mm. cool with it. But I don't want vampires like we see in True Blood or Twilight, where they can fly and they have superhuman strengths. I would I would prefer my vampires in in this story to be, if there are any to be. Um, to have certain specific certain traits, basically a human that can live longer by sucking on the life mm-hmm. essence of others. Now, now keep in mind that John does have superhuman strength when he hulks out. Well, do you, I've, do you know about? Yeah, yeah we, I've, we, told, we, I've we, talked we, to you about the hulking out. Yeah, yeah, we went into this. We're like he's sparring with someone at the wall, and then like they make him like bleed his own blood, and then he gets really mad. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you but me bleed my own blood. What? Yeah, <laughs> no one makes me bleed my own blood. <laughs> but uh, isn't isn't that because uh, don't would you would you would you say he has? Uh, I don't want to say. I'm sure I'm gonna get shit in the comments section. But what's the term mm. for it? It's called um, what's the term? Strength. You think that's just what it is? Oh God! No, you're gonna have to bleep that. I'm out. gonna have to bleep that out. Uh, there's too many PC assholes in the comments section. But do you <sighs> think that that's just what it is? Uh, no, I think, I think it's something with like, like, uh, skin changing powers activate, you know, that kind of thing. (laughs) There's something, there's no reason, there's, there's no reason that a 15 year old boy should be able to take down Iron Emmett ever. And yet he does, you know, when he hulks out. Oh no, not Iron Emmett. Not that guy. That guy's amazing. He's he's supposed to be the best fighter in the freaking watch. Come on, uh, fighting abilities and power levels have never been consistent in Game of Thrones. I mean, you're. I I guess John is a Mary Sue, but yeah, 
So there is there is actually more like getting back to Fever Dream. There is more like I guess now like people thinking Bruce Bolton is a vampire um, is it's not so uh, it's not so surprising now that like reading through that book, I realized that George R. R. Martin completely, utterly borrowed like a lot of the feelings um, uh, and descriptions of of some of the vampires for the Boltons and like their practices and stuff like hunting people for sport and, and um, uh, Jane Poole's entire like wedding scene and being trapped uh, at Winterfell is very, very much um, uh, from a bunch of scenes in, um, in Fever Dream. Well, we went, we went through Um, this when we talked about um, Roose Bolton a while ago. It's a, I, I don't want a definitive answer. Like, if Bruce Bolton does have any, like, vampire in him, I don't want it to be clear. I don't want to see him transform into a bat. I don't want to see any fangs. I want it to be a very heavy-handed rumor. I want people to believe it. I want people to make, you know, rumors about it. I want. I don't want any concrete evidence. I just want people to tell stories about mm-hmm. it, make you believe it, but also question it at the same time. Like, could this Aegon kid really be the son of Rhaegar, or is he just, like, a black fire bastard? And, uh, yeah. like, you just don't know. There's, like, no hard, <clears throat> concrete evidence to prove either of those things. So, so it's and, that, and that's more George, George R. R. Martin's style. George R. R. Martin's style is, like, he'll have a legend, and then he'll have, like, some sort of scientific answer to it all, and then you're and you're like, well, which is it? Is it the legend or is it the scientific answer? And then he'll answer like seventy five percent of it, and then leave twenty five percent like a big mystery. Well, you because know, so. because George Martin knows. And I, I forgot where I saw this. Someone said it best. Uh, they said it about Tolkien, in regards to insulting George Lucas about it, because uh, they were talking about midi chlorians in Episode One, The Phantom mm. Menace, and yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> the 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 YouTuber said. Tolkien knows that when you answer one mystery, it when you answer one thing about the world, it takes out the mystery from the world. So he knew that yeah. if you're going to answer a mystery, you got to also allude to another one. And that's where George Lucas failed. Like he answered one mystery about the Force and he didn't really put anything else in there in place. He just kind of ruined that sense of awe about the world. So I kind of like that that uh George R. R. Martin doesn't do what Lucas does, and he kind of does what Tolkien does. It doesn't really answer you outright, and he leaves it up to your. Well, he he really he really believes in the beauty of mystery, mm-hmm. um, and he he likes leaving things like that. I mean, he has a story with Morning Comes Mistfall, all about like how once you once you find out the answer to something, it ruins it. You know, as for the werewolf keep, thing, we, thing we kind of already have werewolves, don't we? I mean, I mean, well, mm, would would you would you? Maybe not like wolves that come up right, like like humans and are huge and have muscles, but like wouldn't you say like Bran or any other uh, uh, warg is kind of a werewolf already? I mean, I guess. I mean, in, in a sense, I mean, I guess they're they're all werewolf vampires, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, and and you know, this and the thing is, is, I was I was reading this article about about vampire uh, stories, and they say every vampire movie has has the same cliche of of a person saying you think you know about vampires that's just a legend this is what vampires are really like and they <laughs> they always change the rules on them so so like twilight will be like 
You think we're we're all about like crucifixes and garlic? No, we're like sparkling in the sunshine. <laughs> like there's always like a twist to what the vampires are, right? Like no there is no one that is a classic vampire. It's always, oh no, that's the legend. This is the real vampire. Um and fever dream is the same way. Like you say, oh, this part this is legend and this is this is this is our vampire. This is our unique vampire to our story. Hmm. I kind of like that uh, True Blood kind of did something like that back when I used to watch it all the time. True Blood did something along the lines of, like, um, there was one there was one scene where one of the vampires basically said that they're half the, half the myths and, and legends about vampires, it was the vampires themselves who, who put it out there. The whole garlic yeah. thing, uh, the thing about um, not being able to be visible in, in mirrors, like, they were the ones that put all of that out there. Yeah, so in True Blood, holy water doesn't affect him. I think holy... I don't know. I know silver does. Silver and sunlight, the classics. That one does. Right, but but not garlic and... and, uh, Or like, in Lost Boys, garlic doesn't work, but holy water does. And then there's this classic scene where a guy goes... You know, the, the vampire walks into the bathroom and he's like, holy water doesn't... Or he goes, garlic doesn't work. And then they go, holy water does. And they like shoot him with their squirt guns filled with holy water. <laughs> and in, in, in uh, Buffy and Angel, it's really funny because they're like, they're like, yeah, the rumor is you can't photograph vampires. But the truth is... They just don't photograph well. <laughs> it's just, and so the idea is that like every picture of, Derry, of David Borneanus is like crap when he's when he's <laughs> not that he's not completely visible. He just doesn't look good. <laughs> so Preston, let's get to our final question of this after show, which is from uh, Trip Trio, and this is a long. He's not really a question; it's more of a comment, and I want to discuss this. Mm-hmm. Um, the song will, according to him, the song will never be finished, and that is not because of George R. Martin's age. Millions of readers believe, and rightly so, that this is the best fantasy story ever written. A story that great would need a proper matching ending. That's what people expected when The Dance of Dragons came out, even before the television show hype. People's expect- expectations grew over the years, and the more they wait, the higher the expectations are. It's not possible to meet them. Even if Martin did finish the book, best case scenario, only most fans would like the ending, still leaving thousands of fans disappointed. He couldn't please everyone, even if fans' expectations weren't ridiculously high. Martin knows that, in my opinion, fears to let people down. Everyone can hope for an ideal ending, but only some can get it because of their different tastes. Martin would rather have his fans hoping for an ideal ending than get an ending which is just great or or good. Keeping them guessing is a safe way out, which he subconsciously or consciously picked. He once said, some things are better suggested than shown. It's long been a role of writing. That if one of your characters is is a great poet, do not quote any of his poetry unless you yourself are great at poet or are, are, are a great poet. And that rule applies to the book's ending too, maybe. Um, I kinda understand what Martin is saying. Like, Martin probably knows nothing about sword fighting. So that's why like every fucking character is just like rumored to be amazing. You know, like, like Barristan and Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I mean it's it's interesting because on the 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 commenter is 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 very correct. But what's funny is that the way George R. R. Martin ends things is in a mysterious way. Mm-hmm. Like, and so yeah, there's no perfect ending. And so the way George R. R. Martin ends stories is in kind of a mysterious, ambiguous way, um, giving a sort of 
you know, uh, melancholy feel to everything. Uh, and, and so, I, I, you know, I'd say that George R. R. Martin's big strength is his endings. Like most of his books and stories have really great endings. Um, and it's funny that so many people really love his work, but have never, you know, have only done ice and have only read ice and fire. And so don't know how he actually ends things. Well, what's which... your favorite ending? In one of his books real quick. Um, well, I mean, so, so I'm going to ruin this book, but there's, there's dying of the light is, uh, it has a really, has a really cool ending, but it, some people read it. And I think the first time I read it, I was really angry too. Cause, um, and again, this is spoilers, you know, skip ahead if, if, uh, you don't want to hear how this, how this book ends, but essentially the, the story is about this guy getting, getting chased, uh, by a guy who looks like the hound. He has half a face burned off and stuff like that. And, He's trying to protect his ex-girlfriend and things like this. And then at the end, he finally says, you know, fuck it. I've got to I've got to fight this guy. And, you know, they, they they have this little ceremonial square that they draw. And and he starts thinking about this other character that he met in the book and, and things like that, that he that he, he eventually decided that he, he truly respected Essentially, it's a, it's a John Connington kind of character that that he he that he looks up to in the end, and at the end of the story ends with the battle beginning. Like he'll probably lose this battle; he's probably going to die. But <laughs> it wasn't important if if he lives or die dies. The what was important was that he chose to keep his code and participate in this in this fight. And so the first time, you know, people read it, they get really angry because they're like, ah, like the whole book was building up to this fight. And then we get to the fight and like we don't see it like that's the end of it. Mm. And um, that's probably how Ice and Fire is going to end. Like there's probably going to be like everyone's going to, you know, get prepared for this big battle at the end. And then there's going to be some sort of weird, ambiguous ending where everybody's like, wait, what happened? Was, Was there a fight? Even the I, show kind of does that. Like, the show, we've only ever seen maybe, like, in, in terms of battles, I think there's been, like, ten, maybe ten battles in the show's entire history, and we've probably hmm. seen maybe four of them. Uh, Battle Bastards, At the Wall, Blackwater, and I think the one in Marine. I think that's all of the ones we've ever seen. I might be missing one. Oh, Hard Home. Yeah. Um, but a majority of the battles that took place in the War of Five Kings, we almost never see. Like, uh... uh um, uh, the Whispering Wood, at Ox Cross, so on and so forth. Even the even the battle with Stannis and the Boltons, we didn't even see yeah. that. We saw the beginning and the very end. So, yeah, yeah. do you honestly think that <laughs> they're gonna show it in the show? But do you honestly <laughs> think that the very ending of the books will be like them preparing for a banquet uh, for the next king or queen, and then we're never shown who that person is? It could be something like that, or or you know, there's going to be a, a huge battle, and then Bran does some some move or or something. He goes back in time and does something weird, and it's really sad, but it's a little ambiguous on what exactly went on. Is society saved? I don't know. Or if it is saved, a whole bunch of people like you know perished and died, and we're not sure how you know everyone's going to deal with the fact that they're gone. It's, you know, it's got to be, you know, 95% of his stories are super ambiguous endings Mm -hmm. um, where you're like, ah, wait, what happened? Like you could like you could, you you know, sometimes it's 90%. Yeah, the guy's going to die. But 
it's not always like there's this there's this one story like men of Greywater station where there's this big battle at the end and the he, he's on a planet he can't, he can't breathe the air so he's in his spacesuit and he only has a few hours of of oxygen and you know there's a big battle and everybody's dead and he's just kind of sitting there and you're like is he you know is a ship gonna save him is he gonna die is he gonna suffocate is is he just um and he just sits on a pile of rubble and like looks at the stars and that's the end of the story and and that's very george r martin like yeah it's a 95 percent chance that he's going to die and it's it's a kind of a sad ending but then there's there's a little mystery to it like huh you know, he ends it, you know, on this, like, beautiful, sad moment. But, you know, he didn't end it on him choking to death and suffocating, you mm-hmm. know. Or, um, so, I mean, the, the commenter is correct. Like, George R. R. Martin can't, he can't produce an ending that will satisfy people. So he's going to have some sort of strange, ambiguous ending. I think he already has that ambiguous ending worked out, Um a lot of his endings are similar. He can just borrow one from one of the many stories that he's ri- that he's written, um, and it'll be it'll be fine. But that's I think that's what's going to happen. Is it's going to be something similar to to for for people that have read George R. R. Martin's other works. It's going to be something similar to what we've seen before. But you know. It's going to be ambiguous. I'm, I'm sure it'll make people angry because it's going to be too ambiguous. Well, whatever the ending is, I hope the ending is not only ambiguous, even though I'm going to hate that, but is left up to interpretation by the reader, and essentially everybody who reads it gets a different interpretation. Like uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, if you saw the ending of that, I won't spoil it here, but uh, Kubrick's uh, film there, holy shit, like... If you talk to everybody who who's seen that film, like they, everybody just has like a different idea of what that ending really means. And I know it sounds weird because, you know, how can an ending mean different things to so many people? It's supposed to be definitive. It, it somehow just manages to get you that way. Um, but I also find it interesting because you really don't want like a 50 years later type of story that tells us what happens. You, you really just want this to be all ambiguous in the very end. No, no. I mean... George R. R. Martin has has ended um, a couple stories with like flashbacks to the way future, um, but they've been they've been weird and sad in in, in that way. So um, it's uh, but he mainly keeps things ambiguous, mm-hmm. and even those flashbacks to the future are it's it's just a glimmer of the future, and it's very ambiguous. You don't know what's going on at all. Um, and, you know, I, thinking of things like Fever Dream has a Fever Dream has a flashback to the future to years later, and so does like the Stone City and stuff. But there's there's a lot of ambiguity to what what's going on because um, it's just a glimmer of the future. It's not it's not mm-hmm. like freaking Tolkien where I'm going to give you you know what happened to everyone and how many children they had and what the children did. You know, <laughs> like. Um. I so, guess so that, that's that's how freaking Harry Potter ends too, right? Like you find out like how Oh yeah, everybody... they all get kids, all the kids marry yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. Um so some some I forgot who it was, someone theorized that the ending to a song of ice and fire will basically be Bran going back in time and like killing himself to a pivotal moment, kind of mirroring um if you ever seen Donnie Darko. Mm, Donnie yeah, Darko yeah. goes back in time, and he and he doesn't move out of the way for the engine to crash into him. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's kind of, yeah. It's uh, a great, great movie. Do you think that uh, could happen? Because a lot of people theorize that that Bran is essentially the Night King in a sense. Well, have have we have we talked about time travel and Bran before? I think we have. I don't recall, but go into it really quick in case we well, have. Well, um, George R. R. Martin has ha, has written three other time travel stories, um, and they all. All of the time travel is always the same in all of them. In that, in that, it's about your, your conscience. Yeah, it goes back in your time. Your conscious, yeah, sending consciousness back in time. Um, I think some people think it's like everything is existing on on a time loop, and I don't know if George R. R. Martin does time loops like predestination time loops like Terminator. Um, but would you know? Would he be able to? Like, Brand goes back in time and kills himself in order to. It would have to be something with the consciousness. So he'd have to like send his consciousness back to change something in the past, to change everything in the present. Um, so I, you know, I'm trying to. It, it's time traveling is dizzying and confusing. So I'm trying to think like what he could do in order to um, do that. Like for instance, uh, you know, it did Bran warg Jamie to actually throw him from the tower. And therefore, Bran is, when he's fearing the golden man, he's really fearing himself. You know, like that's, you know, that's, that's intriguing and interesting. Um, it's not something George R. R. Martin's ever done before. Not yet. Um, yet. Because yeah. the whole Hodor thing. He did tell someone, um, someone I think back in 2009 or, or something like that around then. I don't know if you ever saw the article. This is back when season yeah. six came out. How someone's like, oh, George, what does Hodor really mean? Is it like, oh, hold the door or something like that? And George's like, you yeah. don't know how close you are. You ever, you ever read that article? or you see that I post? did, I did. Mm-hmm. The, the, the elevator elevator guy. Yeah. Um, and, um, well, <laughs> I remember. So, remember when we did the season eight spoilers and they were absolute bullshit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The fucking kid uh, who wrote that, he, um, that was his, that was his ideal ending for the show and brand. That Bran somehow went back in the in the past, and some, the Night King put his consciousness in Bran, and like Bran is the final Horcrux, so John has to stab Bran. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel like if it's if it it would be Bran doing it to himself, mm-hmm. like that would be the sad thing, like Bran killing himself. But um, yeah, but to to save the world, I mean that that does seem like the kind of ending that we'd get, like Bran going back in time to kill himself. Or Brand Brand discovering that yeah Brand discovering that he's the problem and therefore he needs to like just just rid him rid the world of himself but, and and the loop he's got to end the loop and the loop right but at the same time like how does that how does it save Westeros I guess it, you know whatever's been holding that's the thing is we have to kind of determine what's been holding Westeros technology back what's been what's been keeping the seasons out of alignment. I guess you know if it is Bran going back in time, yeah, just just end himself and solve everything. That's mm-hmm. that's certainly possible. Certainly possible. It's got to be. It's got to be sad and weird and ambiguous. So, mm. yeah. So I, I mean, I think that's how how it's. I think we're not going to have a clear ending, and I think people are going to be debating it. It's not going to be Jon Snow defeats the Night King and becomes king, and everything's great. You know, and sits the Iron Throne like that would that's that's not going to happen. But Trip now, Trio question, here said that Martin fears letting people down. Do you think that's true? Uh, maybe. I'm, I'm you know I'm trying to you know like 
I, but the thing is, I think if the one thing he's going to be confident about is the ending. Like, I think he already has the ending in his head. I think what he's, I think what he's, I think he's scared because now everybody reads the books, every line, like I do and you do. And everybody, you know, and he wants every line to be perfect. And now he's created all of these characters and all these plot lines and he doesn't know how to really resolve them. And if it were, if not as many people were reading, um, he would, he would just leave them unresolved. But I think he now really wants to resolve them all, which is impossible. And so I think he's just stuck. And I mean, unless he's going to write five more books, there's no way he can really resolve it all. So I don't know. This is probably just overwhelming for him, and he doesn't know what to do. But I think he has. I, I think he has the ending. I think he has the ending, though. I just don't think he has the steps to the ending. Yeah, that that like, would take some time getting there. Like, like, like. I mean, ask yourself this question. Okay, we we kind of all figured that the ending is gonna involve Bran and the Werewood Net and like why the planets are out of alignment, right? And 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 the origin of the others, right? He probably has that. He probably knows that. But if you're if you're worrying about that then what, what's the point of everything else? Like, what was the point of Jon Snow and Danny and her dragons? And, which, by the way, like, he only added the dragons later. Like, he had the idea for, for the story. And then his friend, Phyllis Eisenstein, said, oh, it's gotta, you got to have dragons in it. And he's like, oh, okay, I guess I'll have dragons in it. All right, well, I guess the dragons aren't that important because <laughs> he could just shove them in, you know? Mm-hmm. What are the, why do we have these Dornish and why do we have these, these Ironborn and why, why, did even, why do we even have the War of the to Five ma- Kings? To make it, it more of a, a grand story. I think originally, didn't he just want three books? I made a video on this. He just originally wanted three yeah. books. And I think, I think his uh, publisher or someone close to him has told him to just stretch it out more. Uh, you gotta get a good story here. Stretch it out more. The original was supposed to be like fucking uh, Rob Stark versus Joffrey on the battlefield. Tyrion. Well, I don't know if his publisher Sansa. like uh, it wasn't. It wasn't quite like that. It was more like he wrote too much, and they're like, and they told him like, "Hey, it's fine. We'll just publish it as another book." But he, he essentially he, he he wanted to do three books, and he finished the first book and realized that he had way too much material for one book. So they're like, just publish it. And he's like, okay, it'll be four books because he, he wrote a book and a half. He wrote half of A Clash of Kings when he wrote A Game of Thrones. And then he's like, okay, great. So now I've got this extra half book, but it's really the story from A Game of Thrones. So then he started writing some more and then he's like, oh, crap. Like he got halfway, he got again, like one and a half books and he's like, damn it. Um, I guess we'll publish it. And then, and then it just kept growing and growing. And... So I mean, he, he he of his three phases, we're 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 not even we're not even through we're not even through halfway through the second phase. Because his three phase his three phases are War of the Five Kings, Danny's invasion, and the invasion of the others. And we haven't even gotten to Danny's invasion. Like we're we're yeah we're 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 not even to really phase two. We're still on the War of Five Kings. <laughs> Yeah, we're kind of the War of the Five Kings aftermath. Like, I mean, we could be, you know, we can argue and say, okay, well, maybe like her invasion will be, you know, the end of that that storyline. But man, Danny is nowhere close to. Danny is nowhere close to. Bro, you you uh, say that, but like, (laughs) we're five books in. We're still not done with the first phase. 
No. <laughs> oh my god. I mean, this is this is what we're. I mean, we're we're kind of just beginning the second phase. We've we've introduced all of these new characters. You know, we've introduced Aegon. I mean, the second phase is supposed to be Dance of the Dragons. Like, it's supposed to be her coming to Westeros and having the Dance of the Dragons. Like, that's the second phase, right? And so, we've Aegon's invaded, but Danny's in the freaking middle of the Dothraki Sea. She's gotta, she's gotta deal with that plot, which we know, you know. And then she's gotta go back to Marine, and then she's gotta head to Volantis, and then head to, uh, uh, you know, Westeros. And so I see her like landing i would say like her landing in the last chapter of winds of winter mm-hmm. is like probable but then what are you freaking gonna do then <laughs> oh. i just, i honestly just can't see so th- if, if that's if that's how you think there's no way he can he can do phase two in just one book because there's supposed to be there's supposed to be seven books all right, we're either in the fifth, right, right. and there's no way he can do phase phase two in the. In I mean, if 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 I were gonna write it, I would I would end I would end the story. I would end the Winds of Winter with Danny landing. Like I would spend the if I were gonna write the Winds of Winter, it would be Danny spends the early parts of the book in in uh, the Dothraki Sea, you know, Vase Dothrak. Uh, then I would say I would say next I would, I would send her to Karth. And have her briefly talk to Quaith and get some answers. Then I would have her head to Marine, and then head to Vol- head to Volantis, and then in the final chapters, like have her land, um, because you know. And meanwhile, the Aegon plot, he would be securing all of his land, and and securing Westeros for an entire book. And so you'd have like this this setup, right? Like. Aegon has has the country. Danny arrives with her dragons, and then you can begin a dream of spring with like their battle and how they're going to deal with that. And then so you're expecting me- you're expecting basically another Targaryen civil war on Westeros. Well, we know that's going to happen. He said in interviews, like people when people have mentioned the dance, like the old dance of the dragons, he he cheekily said the first or the second. So we kind of know that there's there's going to be a second dance of the dragons, like the the Aegon versus Danny fight, um, and this is hinted at a bunch where where they start talking about um, Savas, you know, um, Savas, the 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 chess like game in the in the um, in the in the book, like how certain pieces, you know, some people have elephants and some people have dragons, and everybody's like, well, which would you rather have, like? elephants that exist or dragons that aren't here you know like and it's all set up like that and it's set up as well with like ariana being with aegon and she believes quentin is with danny so and so she believes this opposition like they're already setting up ariana to fight her brother whether he's alive or not that's a whole other thing whether he's alive or not ariana believes he's alive and she believes that a danny quentin Alliance is coming back, and she's preparing. She's pre- you know preparing for that, mm-hmm. you know, or at least at least I think that's where the story's going. Well, when George said the thing about the first or the second, don't you think he could also could have meant like a maybe a tar- like a Valyrian civil war, and then that would be the first dance, and the second dance would be the one with the Targaryens. Oh, you mean you mean like in Volantis, like a Valyrian civil war? No, a Valyrian civil war back when there was still a Valyria. Oh, oh, oh. 
Yeah, I don't know. I thought, yeah, I, I guess I didn't think of that. A, a Dance of the Dragons before the Dance of the Dragons? Yeah, that like would a, be the yeah. first one. Like, maybe a Valyrian Civil War during the Age of Valyria, blah, blah, blah. And... Yeah, I don't know. But I mean, with all the hints about, like, Mummer's Dragon and things like that, I just feel like I feel like there's there's got to be some, some sort of fight. So you're expecting I mean, a, unless... a Danny versus Aegon instead of Danny versus Cersei. That's 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 the whole that's the switch. Yeah, yeah, I think I think so. That'd be interesting. I, I can definitely see it being a bit more interesting to see Aegon versus Danny instead of it how the show did it with Cersei versus Danny. And um, I don't know. Don't you think it would be kind of boring considering Aegon, a Targaryen, doesn't have his own dragons? How would that necessarily be a dance of dragons? Wouldn't that just be a, just a normal well, civil war? The idea is that his dragons would be stolen, and we kind of you know and. You know, I, I see the other two dragons being stolen. Um, I mean, and one one of the I mean, the dragons represent nuclear weapons, and so it's all about proliferation. That's the whole story of nuclear weapons is proliferation. Mm-hmm. Like America gets it, then the Soviet Union gets it, then China, then India, then Pakistan. Um, and so you've got you know we we kind of saw this in the show where where you know the Knights King got one. So I mean, I we're we're set up in Slaver's Bay where. At least the Ironborn could conceivably steal a dragon right now. I think the Ironborn are in a position to steal a dragon. I'm not even talking about the Dragonhorn, which maybe it's through the Dragonhorn, but Victorian has has a ship filled with pork, and so all you know, some fire happens on that ship. That ship is smelling like pork. Dragons land and start eating it, and then they capture a dragon, or it, you know, becomes full on pork, and then someone decides to ride it or something. And who knows if Quentin is alive? Maybe he could. Maybe he's stolen a dragon. You know, so it's uh, there's a lot of opportunities. Uh-huh. Somebody to somebody to to deliver a dragon to Aegon would be would be something. Hmm. Or maybe if he's with the Dornish, they know how to kill dragons. You know, so you know if he's working with Ariana. They have all the anti-dragon weaponry. But do you think there's some truth to that? The whole, you know, the longer we wait, the higher the ending's supposed to, we're, we're expecting the ending to be? Uh, I, mm, I think he has the ending. I don't think he's worried about the ending. Mm-hmm. I think he's worried about getting to the ending. That's 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 what I think the thing <clears throat> is. Yeah. yeah. Which is sad, because I, I think he might have told the ending to Dan and Dave. And they might, they might put the ending in into the show. Which is be which is would be sad. I hope they don't put the ending into the show. I I hope the television because the television show when it's 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 uh, a separate way a long time ago. Just keep going your separate way. Just do your own original ending because we all know you guys can adapt everything faithfully. But doing your own thing, you're not that good at it. So just might as well keep doing your own thing and, and see where it lands. Uh, the and to, to what the the commenter said about everyone can hope for an ideal ending, but so, only some can get it because of their different tastes. That's why I would rather want. Not an ambiguous ending, but an ending that, uh, in, for the book, that challenges what uh, people kind of want and, and lets everybody interpret it differently. I think that's the best ending you could give the book. Not not a definitive one, but one that makes people 20 years from now go, hmm, I think it means this, or this, or this, allow people to theorize and whatnot. And in a sense, I do want a uh, 50 years later follow-up. But at the same time, mm. if you do if you do give it that ending, you'd have to. Hmm, the uh, fifty years later would kind of ruin it. 
and wouldn't just... I mean, it's it's pretty cool that people are still talking about The Thing after this many years, you know? People still talk about Donnie Darko and, you know, mm-hmm. and things like that, um, you know, when, when it's a really good ending. Um, or uh, people still talk about uh, Blade Runner, you know, things like that. I actually have not finished Blade Runner. I, I've, I'm halfway through. I have not finished it in all these years. Can you believe that? Well, Blade Runner, Blade Runner is like the Bible. There's, there's not one version. <laughs> <laughs> there's so many versions that it's, uh, it's hard to know which one, which one you like. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, yeah. Though I'm pretty, I'm getting pretty, you know, pessimistic about whether we're ever going to get the, uh, the seventh book. Why? So, I mean, I mean, um. Uh, it's it's getting harder and harder for him to uh, to put out books and um, oh so just, you're one of those ageist yeah. people you're getting on his case because of his age and his health I yeah <laughs> yeah I mean uh, that's it's it's hard to deny that that's that's just you know he's he's slowing down in how he's writing these books and the books are getting more complicated and harder to do and so I, I don't think I don't think he can do it. Um, uh, it's, 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 it's sad. I want him to, I want him to prove me wrong. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe these optimists that are like, oh, actually he's finished the books and he's just waiting for the show to finish. And it's that, like, that, that was the theory from last time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that one kid on Reddit had, he, he thought that, uh, Game of Thrones, uh, HBO and George R. R. Martin have a deal for him to hold off releasing it until HBO can finish its run. Yeah. Uh, and you and you say yeah. you didn't think that, don't you think it's more possible now? Would you would you wouldn't you rather have like the Winds of Winter be announced right after the the, the eighth season ends? No, I think that will happen. I think that the Winds of Winter will be announced after the eighth season ends, but I don't think I don't think that we'll get a Dream of Spring. Mm. That's that's just uh, I just I don't think I don't think he can one I don't think he can wrap it up in seven books. So then we're talking eight books. Right. And so then, you know, can he really produce eight books? It's taken him seven, seven years to write a book now. So it's, it's tough. He has a son, right? Yeah. Or children? No. no he, he, he has doesn't. no children. No children. Because I, I was thinking, like, if, if something would happen to him, the way the, way we'd, the, way the fans would, would get their final book is in, like, cliff notes or, or maybe uh, mm-hmm. uh, notes in general of how he'd want it. Like, we, we all... I'm, I'm like I, like you said. I'm sure he has maybe bulletin points on how everything's going to end and all that. And if something does happen to him, God forbid, knock on wood, um, maybe his his children or his wife could release you know like what he thought how it would end, how certain characters meet their fate, blah blah. blah. We wouldn't know what happens to fucking you know secondary character number seven, but we'll yeah. know what happens to the main characters. Well, it's all it all depends on how he set things up. I mean, like the 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 Wheel of Time guy, Robert Jordan, like. You know, other people finished his books and it was for him and it was fine. In fact, some people say that, that the, uh, the guys that finished it were, were better writers than, than he was on the, on the, on the last few of, his, of The Wheel of Time. Um, but then some writers are like, no, no one else gets to finish it. And I think George R. R. Martin has said, like, no, no one else gets to finish it. And for, for estates like J.D. Salinger, like, they've, they've been, you know, where everyone's like, please give us something and they're just like, nope, nope, nobody gets anything. All of his writing, no one gets to read it. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, eh, might be, might be the end. 
Oh well. Yeah, alright, let's wrap this up. Guys, thank you so much for joining us. I do apologize for this coming out so damn late. I blame myself for that, but we will try to make it up to you in the near future. Definitely check out the official Game of Thrones podcast channel. It will be available in the description below. We'll also be returning with full-on episodes soon, after our very short break, of course. But in the meantime, we'll be uploading smaller discussion videos on both mine and Preston's channels, and they will also be up on the official podcast channel as well after a while. So be sure to let us know in the comments, or you can private message me on Facebook, and uh, let us know what topic we should cover next with Thrones, and be sure to tune in to our Westworld discussion when those come out. Once again, thank you so much for listening, and we'll see you all next time. Have a good one.